Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, we don't need a sermon bumper this morning. We're just going to go right into his word. I've been talking to you about hard knocks. I, hopefully we've helped you avoid a hard knock this morning for those of you that forgot to get something for your mama. There are flowers out there to save your life, um, to keep you from being grounded for now until Jesus comes back. And we're delighted. But we've been talking about hard knocks. I've just lived long enough now. Uh, anybody remember what it was like when you were 14 years old and thought you were going to live forever so you could do stupid stuff? Like jump off roofs, um, uh, jump over homemade ramps on your bicycles as if you were never going to get hurt. Yeah, there's one right there. Uh, can I get a witness? Pick up stuff you ain't supposed to pick up. Go places you ain't supposed to go. I'm telling it. Okay. All right. It's, you didn't, your mama didn't know, so she didn't know you did all that. But I've just learned that the longer you live, what we discover is that hard knocks are inevitable. All of us at one moment in our life are going to get knocked down. Um, there's a lot of reasons why I don't have time to go into all of them, so you're going to have to catch up quick. We've we've mentioned that some of the hard knocks we experience are sin-inflicted. We live in a fallen world, so there are a lot of the hard knocks that are just a result of the fact that we messed it all up in the beginning, right? And uh, then there are hard knocks that take place because of other people. We don't have control of everybody else, so somebody often says something, does something that hurts us, and we're just on the receiving end, and it rocks our world. But for most of us, for, for, for the rest of us in the room that uh, <clears throat> would be honest, most of the hard knocks that we experience are just because we were dumb. Uh, we just, just, just your pastor. Okay, I just want to make sure. Uh, just because we make bad decisions, make choices that we shouldn't make, we, the result is hard knocks. The, the reason we've been talking, this is one of the, I'm going to say this again. This is probably one of the more important series that we've done in a long time because what we're trying to do is get you to recognize the ultimate goal of the enemy of our life. Why, why is the enemy so intent on knocking us down? The reason is the same reason he was trying to knock Adam and Eve down in the garden because if he can ever knock us down, hit us hard enough, the goal is, is this. It will rattle us at our core so that we don't know who we are. So... so how many of you in the room have ever experienced a concussion? Just, uh, just raise that hand, all right? Uh, it, some of us have had so many, it took a moment. Oh, yeah, that's me, okay. I had one in school, and it rattled me to where I didn't know who I was. That is the ultimate goal of hard knocks, is that the enemy is trying to rattle us so we don't know who we are because he's going to follow it up. in the. I don't have time, but in the garden, you can see it happen. After he tries to rattle your understanding of who you are, then the next logical step is he's also going to try to tell you and convince you that you're not whose you are. And so you begin to chase and you begin to question. That's why churches are filled with people who are near the Father, around the Father, hear about the Father, sing about the Father, give to the Father, and yet they're still unclear on whether or not they're actually loved or cared for. Uh, scripture makes it clear. God, God is abundantly clear that he doesn't want us to live this way. I, about five years ago, I stumbled across a passage of scripture that I've mentioned to you on several occasions, found in Psalm chapter 68, uh, verse 5 and 6, where we're told that God is the father of orphans, the champion of widows. Uh, he is God in his holy house. God makes 
homes for the homeless. So God never intended for us to live in this broken condition where we feel like orphans. Jesus even says in John chapter 14, verse 18, he's about to leave the planet and he makes this statement. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. He says, I will come to you. Paul fixates on this concept. And so over and over again, in the letters to his spiritual sons, in the letters to the churches, he constantly uses language like this. You're adopted. You've been grafted in. You're heirs and joint heirs. We, we, we were never supposed to live like an orphan. And yet churches seem like orphanages everywhere we go. We, we, all of this is an attempt to convince us that we are complete, that we're loved, we're at home, and yet we continue to struggle because through the use of hard knocks, we're shaken at our core. I, I mentioned last week that Jesus um, uh, on the cross is in one of his most painful moments, and he turns to a disciple. I, I still can't figure out how this disciple figured it out, but this disciple somehow through the teachings of Christ or the examples of Christ had come to this understanding of who he was. And so he turns, and John says about himself, I'm the one that Jesus loved. I, I hope you've been telling you yourself all week I'm the one I'm the one I'm the one that Jesus loved because as soon as Jesus could find somebody that knew who he was he could trust him with what mattered most and so he turns to John and he said here's your mom mom here's your son happy mother's day I'm taking care of you he knew who he was Over the final two weeks of this series, what I'm trying to do is take you to a teaching of Christ and an, an encounter that Jesus has because what I'm realizing now as I look at this is that most of Jesus' ministry was shaped around the concept of trying to get us to understand that we're not orphans and that, that trait and the tendencies in us that the enemy tries to use, these hard knocks to knock us down, he's trying to uproot that in our heart and in our life. I almost hesitated this morning because what I want to do is I want to take you to a passage of Scripture, but uh, because Jesus, he teaches something and then he lives something. I want, to show him, I want to show what he taught this morning, but I almost hesitated because we know this passage so well. It's so familiar. Uh, all of our lives, most of us have heard this account, and we use it to simply address what we call backsliding or wild living until we listen without hearing. And we read without learning. I, 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 but, but now, as I've contemplated what we've been talking about now, when you look at this account, what I want us to do is I want you to recognize that at its core, this account that we're about to read is a full frontal attack on the concept of the orphan spirit that resides in us. And Jesus is trying to get us to address it and uproot it. Jesus tells a parable. It's a, a story to reveal the scheme of the enemy. We know it as the prodigal son. But I want us to look at it fresh and new this morning. I, I, I'm hoping that maybe what we could do is we could possibly reread it with an eye towards uh, this attempt of Jesus to help us with this orphan deal. Most of, most of the time we read this story, we spend all of our time focusing on the downward spiral of the young son who ends up in a pig pen eating slop. But what I want to submit to you this morning is that in this account that we call the prodigal son, there are actually two sick sons, and both are exhibiting the symptoms of being orphans. Listen again. Luke chapter 15, 
beginning in verse 11. Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Literally looks at his father and says, I wish you were dead. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings through them in his gym bag and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve, and he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs, and the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. How many of you know that when you come to the place that you're willing to eat what pigs eat, you're pretty hungry. You hung, you, you're hangry at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. So the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while it was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, and he embraced him and kissed him. Never says he cleaned up, it just says he ran to him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life and he was lost but now he's found. So the party began and meanwhile the other sick son was in the field working. When he returned home he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what's going on. Your brother is back he was told and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return and the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once, never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrated, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. And his father said to him, Look, dear son, You've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. A couple observations before I get out of your way this morning. I just want to remind you that both sons were in the house. The story, the account begins that both sons were in the house. Both sons were in the house, but both sons had a problem in the relationship with their father. There was distance between them and the father. The truth is that in this account, both sons were prodigals. They, they, they had somehow grown up in the father's house, but neither really understood or appreciated the father or the, uh, the uh, relationship that was available to them. In fact, what I submit to you this morning is that both sons were really only concerned about the provisions that the father could make for them. Welcome to Western Christianity. Welcome to why most of us in America want to be Christians. So that God will bless us and favor us and rescue us and heal us. And 
we're only concerned about the provisions. We know him as Jehovah Jireh, and that's good enough for us. He's my provider. They're in the house, but no relationship. One son doesn't think he needs a father. The other son doesn't think he has a father. Are y'all here this morning? One son has come to the conclusion that I don't need him. The other son is convinced I don't have him. And out of their attitudes, what we see are the symptoms of having an orphan spirit. I bring these symptoms to, I know we've been in this a minute, but I keep bringing it back to your attention in hopes that maybe you will identify these same attitudes and same symptoms in your life before they produce the same results that it produced in these sons. And here it is, wandering or wondering. Both sons have these symptoms and the result is that in the younger son it produces a wandering spirit. In the older son it produces a wandering, I wonder whether he really is here for me or not. And if we're not careful, if we're sick with this same spirit, it produces wandering and wondering in us. Here they are, three symptoms quickly that I'm going to mention to you this morning. I, I want you to approach this as I, that Steve's not talking about these guys in this, lesson, in this passage. He's talking about me. I'm, I, I want you to see whether as I read the symptoms, if maybe they would stand out in your life, in your heart, and you would come to the conclusion, he's talking about me and I got to fix this. Here are the symptoms. The first one is this, what you chase reveals if you have an orphan heart. If you're an orphan, you will run away from home seeking what, what not only can only be found at home, but what you already have and didn't know it. I watch people, I've watched people, I continue to watch people over the last 15, 16 years as they experience the goodness of God and the promises of God and the favor of God, run away from God thinking that it's something out there, I'll be more blessed out there, I'll find more favor out there, I'll find more provision out there, and they run away from home thinking it's going to be better out there, never recognizing that they have everything everything they need in here. I've watched people who have been blessed with relationships in the body. God placed you in the body for the purpose of relationships. I've watched people who've been placed in the body with relationships leave the relationships thinking there's some other relationship out there and they run and what they chase reveals an orphan heart. An orphan will leave the embrace of the father and the safety of his house to chase acceptance and chase promotion and chase adventure and chase family and chase love and chase affirmation and chase a circle and chase fulfillment and chase peace and chase joy and chase satisfaction and chase rest and chase blessing. And they can't ever find it out there because the only place you can ever find it is in the house. But we chase it and it reveals that we're orphans because we just think out there somewhere. If you don't believe that, why is there a plague of church hopping in Oklahoma City? I'm not against the churches in Oklahoma City. I'm not even saying this is your church. Maybe this is not your church, but some of you haven't found your church in the last 25 years because you keep chasing things that you're never going to find until you come home. 
And so I just want to challenge you this morning that what you chase reveals whether or not you have an orphan heart. So Peter says it like this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, uh, 3 and 4. We, we, he, he confronts us and says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need. Come on. He gives us everything we need by living a, for, for living a godly life. We've received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. We sang about those this morning. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. But rather than living in that and enjoying the abundance of what we've already received, we chase after what's already been given to us by the Father as if we don't have enough. The result is this. People who have access abandon and then they want to act like they're confused when they can't find what they were looking for when they already had it. I have watched people, man, y'all showed up on the wrong Sunday. I feel, I feel like being mean this morning. I'm a mean pastor this morning. I watched people who had it in the body, who had it in, 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 the, in, in where God has placed them, and then they want to exit and run, and then they want to act like they cannot figure out, why can't I find peace out there? Why can't I find close relationships out there? Why can't I find a place to use my gifts out there? Hello? You were at home, but you chase. That's exactly what the young son does. He chases what he already had. That's a symptom. The second one is this, is how you ask reveals if you have an orphan heart. Both, both sons reveal an orphan issue by how they ask. The younger son reveals his orphan heart because he asked for his inheritance out of an absence of contentment. I just need to help you this morning. This will help us evaluate whether or not we have an orphan spirit rising up inside of us. If we ask out of a lack of contentment, that is a revelation to us that we're acting like orphans because in the absence of contentment, there will always be the presence of entitlement. A son who recognizes his adopted state, his grafted in state. Let me, let me just show you the difference. Somebody that knows they don't, they don't deserve it. Somebody that's tasted the goodness of God and the mercy of God does not approach God out of lack of contentment or out of a spirit of entitlement. Instead, we approach God with an attitude of gratitude. I am filled with praise and thankfulness that I could never get this on my own. I couldn't work my way into this. I couldn't earn my way into this. God was just just good to me but the younger son doesn't do that the younger son approaches with entitlement and he's like God um, father because of everything I've gone through you owe me because of what I've gone through the pain the tragedy the turmoil the chaos you could have stopped at God you could have stepped in and you didn't you could have made my life easy street but you didn't and because you didn't now you owe me and I want what I want when I want it how I want it and if you deviate from that I'm going to have problems with you that is an orphan spirit the older son reveals his orphan issue when he said no for the father before he ever asks him. See, we don't read that part of the story. We like to fixate on the younger son. But let's talk about the older prodigal son. Because the older prodigal son 
comes, his father runs out to the fence post. I'm sure he's out around the corrals somewhere. And, and his, his older son looks at his dad and says, I've been with you all these years. I have tithed faithfully. I have attendance pins, never missed a Sunday. I got the bumper sticker from the church on my car. I read the Bible through 400 times this year. And you've never once healed me. You've never once let that check that that other joker talks about that showed up in his mailbox right when he needed it. I've gone to the mailbox after serving faithfully for 25 years in the church and there's never been a check in my mailbox. But I want to take you back to the account because I noticed something. He says, you've never given me even a goat to have a, party at the house with the friends. I'm sorry. I've read this account all my life. I still have yet to find the place where he ever asked. Never once. I can't find it. I've looked. I would like to write it in, but I can't find it. He never goes to the father and says, hey, hey, I, I, got, some, I got some homies down the street and we're going to have a birthday party and I need a goat. Never does it. And so when the father comes out, he never asks. He makes the assumption of a no and reveals his orphan heart because orphans will say no without ever asking. I won't ask because I probably haven't earned this. I won't ask because he doesn't see me. I see him healing them, but I'm not going to ask him to heal me because I'm not as holy as they are. And I haven't done as much as they've done. I, I, I won't ask because then I can't be disappointed when he doesn't respond or doesn't come through. I won't ask so that then I won't, when I don't get what I want, I won't be disappointed. I'm in the house, but I'm, I'm, un, I'm unwilling to even ask for what is rightfully mine as a son or a daughter of God. See, I couldn't even get very many amens in that because we don't approach the God that way. Uh, but I'm just telling you right now, Scripture says that as the children of God, because of what Christ has done, we have the right to walk into the throne room and make our petitions known and to approach it with faith and trust that our good, good Father will give us what we need. But most of us will say no for Him and we'll never even ask. And in that moment, we reveal we're orphans. We're in the house, but we're orphans. Third symptom, and you're not going to like this one. How you respond to rebellious sons reveals if you have an orphan heart. I want you to notice that the older son was just as much an orphan as the younger son. I want you to notice that this son, unlike the son that left the house and ended up in a pig pen, this son in the house, when his dad comes out to the corral to confront him, never once uses the term father. 
Not one time. The young son, when he comes back, the first thing out of his mouth is, Father, I've sinned against you. But the older son, who's in the house, never uses the term father. There's no endearment. There's no family connection. There's no intimacy. So he gets word that an orphan comes home, and I want you to notice this guy who's in the house. I want you to notice his response. When he interacts with his father, this is what he does. He rehearses his brother's issues. Notice what the older son does. He looks at his daddy and he says, that other son who just got home has spent all your money on prostitutes. I have a question. How does he know that that son visited prostitutes? Did he have a t-shirt on? That says, been there, done that. Y'all will get that sometime this afternoon. The older son rehearses and elevates, magnifies the sins of the other son so that he doesn't have to pay any attention to his own. He elevates his brother's sin to a higher level of wrong than his own sin and he plays up his brother's sin while overlooking his own and in the process he reveals that he too has an orphan heart not caused by rebellion but caused by religion. Because religion is about keeping the rules. Okay. The rebellious son runs. The religious sons stay in the house and they work and they keep tabs. I am preaching right now. As a religious orphan, we compare and attack. This causes us to point fingers at other sons' faults while we refuse to deal with our own. I have been in the house. I have been tithing. I have been serving. Don't want to serve, but I got to serve. That's the rule. If you're going to get into heaven, you got to serve, right? That's what we say. I, I, if, if I'm going to be in the house, then I have to attend. I, don't, I, I have to pray. I don't want to read, but I have to read the Bible. I have to forgive. I have to act like I like people. I have to keep, keep from flipping them the bird when they run me off. I, I, I have to, and, and we keep the rules, but there's no relationship. So when a rebellious son comes home, I attack because I stayed in the house and they went out there and acted like a fool. While they were acting like a fool, I was in here singing, even though I wasn't really worshiping. I was singing. I was keeping the rules, dad. We go through the motions of relationship, but the truth is this, we're restless. We know the young son was restless, but can I tell you this morning that the older son, who was also an orphan, was restless. Here's the dilemma. Stay with me real quick, and then I'll get out your way. For those of us that weren't rebellious and ran away out of the house, 
most of the rest of us are struggling with a religious spirit. And if we would be honest, under the surface of our life, there's restlessness there because we know the relationship isn't really right. And it's not where it should be. And out of our restlessness, it produces ruthlessness. A religious orphan will consistently operate in offense and self-rightness. And here's the challenge. It's easy to spot rebellious orphans. It's hard to spot religious orphans. Because the religious orphan will keep working, they'll keep serving, they'll keep giving, they'll keep singing, they'll keep showing up. But just as, listen to me, just as much as the orphan who left the house and chased the high, those of us that stayed in the house so that we would get kudos for being where we're supposed to be but there's no joy in it and there's no life in it and there's no intimacy in it we're just as much orphans as the orphan that left the house just as we're just as much orphans if we've stayed faithful to our spouse as the orphan that ran out the door and lived a promiscuous life chasing adventure if there's no relationship with the father if there's no intimacy with the father I've kept the rules I've kept the rules dad I've kept the rules but there's no relationship there I didn't leave the house but I'm no closer to the father than the one who did some of y'all been in church all your little lives. Like me. And nobody can point to my rebellion. But if they could see in my heart, there are a lot of days where I'm operating as an orphan thinking that if I keep the rules, that's all that really matters. Don't wear shorts. Don't go to the movies. Y'all don't know. Don't go to the movies. Can't swim with the other sex. Can't play cards. Don't have no TV in your room. Y'all don't, <laughs> y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. Y'all, y'all don't know. But what I've discovered is I can do all that. and not know him any better than the one who's been out there living like a fool. And if I'm not careful, what that does in me is that when the ones acting like fools show back up in the house, I wanna point fingers at them and go, Dad, look what they did. Who they've been bad, bad. Went to the prostitutes. They went to the movies, God. They got a big screen TV in their house, God. These are the symptoms of an orphan. What we chase reveals our heart. How we ask reveals our heart. How we respond to when rebellious people come home reveals our heart. These are the symptoms, but can I tell you this morning the remedy? Because as different as the two sons were, one ran, one stayed. The remedy for both was the same. 
Here it is. Here it is. To fix this, you've got to come to your senses. There has to be this moment where you you diagnose your own heart and life and condition, whether you're rebellious or religious. And you come to this moment where I come to my senses and I recognize that I was never intended to be far from God. I was intended to be in relationship, to have everything I need for a godly life, to have everything, promises are mine. And whether I'm separated by religion or separated by rebellion, I have to come to this moment where I diagnose myself and I come to my senses and I, I go home. I'm just challenging you to come to your senses. If you're in the house today and you're rebellious, the solution is this, come to your senses and recognize you're never gonna find out there what you have in here. So come to your senses and come home. Come home. If you're religious this morning and you only serve because you got to, and you only worship because you got to, and I only give because I got to, I only love because I got to, I really don't want to, I got, then let me tell you what you need to do. You got to come to your senses and realize that there's a father in the house that loves you, and you come home, and listen to this, you come to this place where you enjoy home. I come home. And then if I'm religious, I enjoy home and I recognize that I don't have to read his word, I get to read his word. I don't have to worship, I get to worship. I don't have to give, I get to give. I don't have to serve, I am privileged and I have a great opportunity to serve because he loves me. I don't care where you stand this morning, I don't know if you're rebellious or religious. But I know this, you were never designed to be an orphan. You were never designed to live at distance from the Father. Whether you're out there or in here, you were designed to be in relationship with the good, good Father. Stand with me this morning. Sick is sick. Rebellious or religious, sick is sick. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, in this moment, as we just spend a few moments in your presence, would you help us to diagnose our own life? Are there symptoms in us that reveals that we're orphans? Father, if we're here and we're chasing what can only be found in the house, but we're chasing things outside the house, correct us in our hearts and help us to come home. We wanna come home. We don't want to suffer the consequences of our rebellion when we can run to our good, good Father and come home. Father, if we're in the house and, and, and we reveal an orphan spirit in us by how we ask, out of a spirit of, of entitlement, I pray that you would fill our hearts with gratitude and thankfulness. If we're in the house and we refuse to ask because as an orphan, we think you're going to say no before we ever ask. Would you remind us that it's the pleasure of the Father to give good gifts? And Father, if we're in the house and we're pointing fingers at and attacking rebellious sons and daughters when they come home, we point out their sin as if it's worse than ours. We point to what we do and how we do it. Instead of what you've done, I pray that in this moment you would 
help us to come to our senses. God, would you help us this morning as we think about what your son Jesus has done for us, would you help us to come home or for some of us, would you just help us to enjoy home? Come on, as they sing this, would you just allow the Holy Spirit to dig deep down into your spirit and confront you and point out the symptoms of your heart and your life right now? Come on, as they sing this, would you just let him do surgery on you that I cannot do? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.